Bischoff's briefs. I'm afraid we need to use math. Bischoff's briefs. I knew I should have checked your showboating globetrotter algebra. Bischoff's briefs. Man, I thought you knew that algebra was all razzmatazz. Bischoff's briefs. Yes, I see. Something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. Before we get into briefs here, Kelsey Plum won sixth woman of the year in the WNBA. Uh, Sam Gordon tweeted this out. She eclipsed the 20-point mark eight times this season, which is a new single-season record for bench players. Seems impressive. Maybe they should start her. I'm just thinking, how mad was she? Probably very mad. She kept talking about how she didn't want to talk about the sixth, yeah. sixth woman of the year award. Like, come on, Kelsey. It's an accomplishment. She's been very best season. I'm not ever, the comeback the player of the year. Right. And she's she's like, like, yeah, yeah, you kind of actually. Are. She did. Uh, she didn't win comeback player of the year. Somebody, how did she not? She somebody a... else. Did. Apparently, being injured is not enough of a qualification to be comeback player of the year. I'd have to go look that up. But she didn't win it. Somebody else won it from the WNBA. Um, did she t- tear her ACL? Uh, was it ACL or Achilles? Uh, my, it was Achilles. You're right. Yeah. So she, yeah. Nope. Didn't get comeback player of the year. So somebody was better. Uh, but Bischoff's briefs today. Oh, the U S men's national team. The roster is out for their next world cup qualifying window window. And we already have disaster because Christian Pulisic and Gio Reyna are not on the roster. They are going to miss the next three world cup qualifying games due to injury. Uh, that is our best player in Christian Pulisic and our second or third best player in mm-hmm. Gio Reyna. And both are the two best like attacking options on the team. Uh, this is a team that has been very good defensively this year, but offensively they have struggled. And until their massive comeback against Honduras, where they scored four goals in the second half, they didn't really have anything offensively in those first uh, three World Cup qualifiers. And again, you're now taking away the best player and the second or third best player on this team because of injury. Uh, That's a big problem. Now, the depth that the U.S. men's national team has is probably better than it has ever been because they still have some good options. They still have good players that should be able to score for us in CONCACAF World Cup qualifying. Um, Ricardo Pepe is the teenager that I'm pumped about who saved <laughs> us against Honduras, right? He is like, I hope he's our starting striker for the world cup for the next decade. Like that would be phenomenal. He, he, he has a really great name. Yeah. So like, he's been Pepe. very good for FC Dallas this year. Uh, there was a story that Ajax was the best team in the Netherlands, uh, that they're interested in him. So he's very good. He's 19. We hope he's going to be awesome, but it's you're counting on a 19 year old to score goals when the best two players that would be providing him uh, good passes, good crosses, good chances aren't going to be there. We also have Brendan Aronson, Matthew Hoppy, Paul Ariel. All of those guys are solid, like options on the wing. They can create a lot of chances. Aronson. Uh, I like him a lot. Uh, and Jossie Zardes is on the roster for this, these three games. He wasn't on the roster for the last three games. Zardes is, is nothing spectacular, but he's perfectly capable of scoring in CONCACAF. So we have options up front but it's still a massive question mark. Hell, it was a question mark when Pulisic and Reyna were playing. Can the U.S. score enough goals? This is going to be a big test in this window without those two. Can they score? And here's the thing. The United States is going to play three games. Home against Jamaica, go to Panama, home against Costa Rica. 
be really nice to win all three. But in reality, they they pretty much need to get like two wins and a draw. Like two wins is probably the bare minimum. Two wins and a draw is sort of like, okay, solid. Three wins would be great. That's what they need to pull off here. Like they need to be really good in this window because they get two at home and Panama is not very good, even though going on the road to Panama is probably going to suck too. They're not very good. They should be able to get at least two wins out of this window and hopefully three. If it's the same like last time where you're talking about a draw or, or even a loss in two games, not ideal. Like you're still going to be in an okay spot to qualify for the World Cup, but it's good. they're going to have to start winning games eventually if they blow it in this window <laughs> as well. Like you can't just keep drawing your way to the World Cup. They're going to have to win games. They're going to have to do that and you win games by scoring goals. You, you'll only need one a game technically if they can shut everybody out, which isn't that big of a they could do that. So they got to score goals. They got to figure out how to do that. Now, the rest of the roster, if you look at the midfield, our midfield is awesome. Like I, we have a terrific midfield. We got Tyler Adams and Kellen Acosta's defensive midfielders, which is phenomenal. Uh, we've got Weston McKinney back. Remember Weston McKinney? He was the player that got booted out of the last World Cup qualifying window because he brought an unauthorized guest into the team hotel when they were in Nashville. He also apparently left to go to some I don't know. Party. He left to go somewhere. He wasn't supposed to go. He has his priorities straight. Yeah. He has had between he plays for Juventus in Italy between Juventus and the U S men's national team. He has, I think had three different uh, breaches of COVID protocol between the two teams. The man likes to get laid. Not ideal, not ideal. Weston McKinney, but with Pulisic and Raynaud, he's probably our best player. Yep. Um, he's really good. I mean, he's, he's a very good player. He'd have to be. Otherwise yeah. he wouldn't still keep getting work. Just don't be an idiot play, like be available for the United States. That'd be phenomenal. We also have like Christian Roldan, Sebastian Legette. They are proven MLS players, proven U S men's national team midfielders. They're very good. Like, and that's, you know, that's a very good core going into world cup qualifying. And then we've got three young guys in Yunus Musa, Gianluca Buzio and Luca De La Torre. All like could be awesome. They're young guys that have some potential. They all could suck as well. Like they all could just never cut it for the U S men's national team. But here's the good thing. Those are our sixth, seventh and eighth best midfielders on this roster for world cup qualifying. Like if any one of them's good, that's awesome. If they all suck, we should still probably be fine in this window. And that's why like our midfield is it's, it's great. We have a really good Midfield, especially if you start to consider wingers as midfielders, because that's where Pulisic plays. That's where Reyna plays. Like we're really good midfield and wingers when we're fully healthy. And hell, honestly, even when we're not fully healthy, we're still pretty good. I'll be curious to see what happens defensively. Um, Walker Zimmerman didn't get it. Didn't get called up. Uh, He'd be one of the center backs that I would think would be on the world cup roster. If they had to make it out today, Uh, John Brooks did get a call up again. John Brooks was terrible in the last window, like genuinely awful. Like he was was thought of as the number one center back for the U S and he was terrible so much. So that he got subbed off at halftime of the Honduras game because he looked lost. Greg Berhalter decided he can't be out there. He's been, he was responsible for two goals. They allowed in three games. Um, but the name miles Robinson has been really good this summer. Uh, miles Robinson's probably going to be one of the main center backs, but the name to be excited to see for the U S center back is Chris Richards. He's 21 years old. His contract is owned by Bayern Munich, but they've loaned him out the last two years to Hoffenheim. So there's a lot of potential there with Chris Richards, because again, anybody that's like playing, even the, even if you're loaned out under contract for Bayern Munich suggests you're pretty good. 
So Chris Richards potentially could be a really good center back for the United States. He's young, could be playing really important soccer for Bayern Munich at some point in the future. There's a lot of potential there. I'm curious to see because it's kind of it's kind of like what we saw with Ricardo Pepe, who even though he's in Major League Soccer and a couple years younger, Ricardo Pepe, we didn't really we, we hadn't really seen him play for the U.S. He played last World Cup qualifying window and in the second half against Honduras was awesome. And now it makes you think this guy could be really good for a long time. Chris Richards is kind of in that same position where he hasn't really gotten a shot. You give him a shot. He might be really good and he might prove that, Hey, this guy is one of the best center backs that we can put out there and can improve the team. So that's your U S roster for the next three games. We got about a week until that first game against Jamaica. Uh, I'm excited. I'm pumped. I think the roster is great. A little concerned that they're going to score any goals, but I'm very excited. Do you ever feel like the women's national team doesn't have this much drama? Like it's just literally like, Oh, they're about to have a ton. Oh, well, because of all the retirements. Well, because they just failed in the Olympics. I mean, it's harsh to say they failed, but they just, they blew. I mean, they did not win gold in the Olympics and they're an older roster. Yeah. The women's, the women's national team, the, the generation that lost in the Olympics was the generation that was dominating. Yes. For like eight years or whatever that run was like, they were unbelievable, but now they're all older. And now it's a matter of, okay, how many of these players do you start phasing out like, uh, you know, Carly Lloyd, Megan Rapino, uh, Alex Morgan. Those are the frontline players, the forwards and wingers for that team. How many of those players are you keeping around? Are you playing them constantly versus getting new players in there? There's still some good young players that we've seen. Like Rose Lavelle is, I think she's the best player on that team. She's not 35 or whatever. So like Rose Lavelle is still going to be one of the best players. Sam Mewis in midfield is very good and isn't very old, but they do like, you're going to see that is how much do they start to take out an Alex Morgan or a Carly Lloyd, some of the players that have been the best this country's ever seen, but Hey, you're a little bit older and we've got younger players conceivably that can come up and take your spot and be better than you now. I guess my thoughts are because that unit was so dominant for eight years and it was, it felt so stable every single time we've talked about the men's national team. It has felt like, well, they're trying this guy that he's technically from Mexico, but he's got dual citizenship and they're going to throw him out there. Oh, he's not very good. Okay. Well, they're going to try this guy over here. I mean, he could be good. He plays in the Canadian indoor league. Yeah. It's, the the women have been so good, and the other part is like uh, scheduling and competition. Like the men's national team didn't qualify for the Olympics, so it's a massive deal that their World Cup qualifying games. That this is what we're talking about right now. That they win some of these damn games, and not having Pulisic and Rain is a big deal for the women. Like qualifying for the World Cup isn't particularly hard for Concacaf because like Canada's good, but that's it. Like there's not. <laughs> there's not yeah. another team remotely on the same planet as Canada and the U S like literally the entire starting 11 could probably be hurt for the U S and they'd still qualify for the Olympics on the women's side. Like, yeah. so I mean, they don't, the women's team doesn't play outside of the world cup and the Olympics. They don't play a lot of high stakes games. Whereas the men, every single one of these world cup qualifiers are a high stakes game because we didn't make it last time. And if we don't start winning, we're not going to make it again. So they just don't play as many high stakes games. So it doesn't like, it doesn't matter if, you know, Alex Morgan misses time because she's having a baby or if somebody gets hurt or whatever, it doesn't matter as much because they're still rolling in the games. Yeah, they play kick are, everybody's right. ass anyway. as long as long as they're ready for the Olympics and the world cup. That's, that's when Meanwhile, the games we're going are to lose important. to a country with less than a million. People. We're going to beat Panama. 
and Jamaica and Costa Rica. All three of them are done for. Costa no. Rica's done. Their golden generation blew it. They're too old. They're not good anymore. They still might make the World Cup because CONCACAF's not that good, but they blew it. <laughs> they, had their, they had their generation. They had their golden generation, they, they, might they couldn't st- do it. They might still make the World Cup. Had their golden generation. They blew it. They couldn't do it. All right, coming up next, Ed Graney. Hopefully, we talked to Ed Graney after his COVID test. Trent 0 for 3 against Scherzer with a strikeout. Swings here, lines it into right field. That's a base hit. Going to get a couple of runs home. Hosmer has scored. Pham coming in right behind him. He will score. A two-run single for Trent Grisham. 9-5 to five Padres in the top of the seventh inning. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. Man, that Scherzer guy's not any good, is he? Man, I just put you guys on hold. I'm, th- I'm glad I got back to you on soon. <laughs> well, it was it was it was serious stuff because Cassie Soto has the Starbucks order and her camera, and she couldn't do both at the same time. So, so she asked me to come help her, and I said, "No, I'm on with Tyler and Jared." Ah, that's right. Suck at Cassie. Uh, yeah. What What do you mean she has the Starbucks? She's taking a Starbucks order, or she's carrying no, a Starbucks? In? We got tests. We got tests, and she goes, "Do you want to go to Starbucks with me?" I said, "No, I have important things to do. I actually have uh, to start writing. I don't want to do that with you." But get me this. And then, uh, and then this. like five people started ordering stuff. And now she's she's walking in the parking lot trying to hold the camera with like eight drinks. This won't be a good ending, by the way. <laughs> this is not going to be good. Isn't there someone else from Raiders.com that could come help well, her? You know what? Raiders.com pops Ramirez just ran out to help her. So she might be okay. <laughs> she might be okay. <laughs> Do you think she got your Starbucks order right? She gave me eight words or less. That was her demand, and I don't know if I hit it. Um, grande, non-fat, hot chocolate with peppermint and whip. I don't know if that hit the eight-minute, eight-word eight mark. So we'll have to see when she gets in here. If she actually bought me anything. You know, I, I told actually, her I'll I told her I'll Venmo the Venmo you the money. At which time I was laughing inside, like I'm not giving her any money. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think I think if you have the Starbucks app, you can literally just hand the phone to people and they can type in their own order that way. Where that way, she doesn't have to write oh. it down and order it. That would be great for her. Yeah, she she yeah. she gave everyone a limit of eight words, which was bizarre to begin with. Yeah. So um, wait, wait, wait. But, she, did she phys- like she physically like wrote this down or typed it into yeah. her phone? She was typing every order into her phone. Oh boy, what That's a nightmare! Weird. What a nightmare! <laughs> don't don't tell her about the app. Make yeah, her keep yeah. doing no, it this way. No. It'll be way more fun. Uh, did you try to bribe the COVID testers? No, I, there are too many people around. <laughs> I, I was like, I was fifth. <laughs> I was fifth in line. Uh, Pops was in there, and some other people were in there, and I'm like, ah, I can't ride this guy. He was too nice. I'll tell you one thing about those COVID testers. I told the guy, I, you know, he has to switch his gloves off on every test. There's like 20 people in there, so he switched gloves. I'm like, dude, you're a world record. This guy must switch gloves 9 million times a day. He can do it in like under 2.1 seconds. <laughs> he switches his gloves. It's amazing. I'm like, dude, I, I can't believe how fast you do your gloves. He, goes, he looks at me and goes, yeah part of the job like i'm an idiot like yeah i'm i'm handling high sensitive tests here you don't want me doing it with the same gloves every time and you gotta fold up a 20 dollar bill in your hand and then give him a you know shake his hand to give him the 20 yeah that's how yeah. you bribe him when there's people around one i don't think the shaking of the hand is happening given he's in a hazmat suit with new gloves on every time and he's not going to shake my hand <laughs> and two you're assuming i'd ever have a 20 dollar bill that's so true. that's an over yeah, two assumption say, right it's that's gonna be true. it's gonna be two one dollar bills folded yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you know actually you know what's funny whenever i've been to a restaurant and like they're with my family and like my grandmother is there she will like, you know, demand to pay for things, but she doesn't like demand with us. She will pull that move and try to like sneak 
the cash oh, to the waiter yeah. before they even bring the check. Like before the check even comes, she'll just like sort of sneakily like get the waiter's attention and then just sort of hand off cash through a handshake so that nobody knows. Okay, that's brilliant with the handshake. You've done that before. I've done that before where I'll tell the I'll go pretend to go to the bathroom, tell the waiter it's on me, and I'll hand him my credit card. Haven't you done that? Uh, I just tell people at the table if I'm paying yeah. for it, I'm gonna pay for it. <laughs> I don't need to but, go sneak around. I'm also not. I'm also not going to fight people if they really want to buy me food. I'm going to let them do it. <laughs> oh, uh, it's, it's classic you. Yeah. No, oh, no, no, that's a millennial thing, right? Like that's a well. If you really want to, right? No, th- <laughs> see the problem, Ed. The problem is my girlfriend always wants to pay for like meals. Like whenever we're, if we go out with somebody else, like she's always like, oh, I got it. Don't worry. Like always. Like she's got her parents do the same thing. Her parents are like, if we go out to eat or something, they, like, demand to pay for it. They'll, like, fight you over it if you want to pay for it. And my girlfriend's inherited that habit. So she's going to be doing that for the rest of our Ed, lives. Ed. Good for her. How did Tyler, Good like. Morning. Hi, Tyler. Oh, oh boy. Oh, there she oh. is. Look at that. Oh, what a no. nightmare. Drinks, cameras, purses, backpacks. She is a complete mess. Oh. God. Well, I'm, I, obviously, everyone wants to go out to dinner with your girlfriend and not you then because she's the one paying all the time. Not, that's what I was literally about to say is, like, how <laughs> did Tyler, like, luck sack his way into this? Like, yes, he's exactly. just like, yeah, she loves paying for stuff, yeah. too. Greatest accomplishment of my life. <laughs> she's, I, I just sit at my house and watch my three televisions. Yeah. Hey, now, I buy Chick-fil-A when we get it delivered. <laughs> in in <laughs> contrast, my, the check comes and my wife looks at everyone at the table. <laughs> Thing, no. <laughs> it who, who, who's picking this up? Who Look at me, like with the desk up. there. Don't you dare reach for that credit card. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to just just go out of your way to pay for some expensive dinner with other people one time. <laughs> with my wife. Yes, just no, no. I got this. We got it. Don't worry. Yeah, don't yeah, worry. No, like, no we deal. don't. What are you talking about? We don't have anything. All right, uh, run. Can you run me through your the timeline of events here? You got tested, and practice yeah. starts when? Uh, we are allowed to start watching at 10 to 11. And then the actual press conferences are afternoon? Oh, at, at, at like 1220, 1230. Oh, but you God. have to test between 830 and 9. You have to test. If not, if you show up late, you can't enter the building. No. They, they, like the entire day. You, can't, you cannot enter the building on a weekly basis until you have a negative test. So now I can enter the building tomorrow if I test negative. I can enter the building tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday. But on a week from when I took it, I can't come into the building until I get another negative test. Hold on. I got a Dodgers question for you because they just showed a highlight from last night. Who is this bum center fielder that dropped the ball and then crashed face first into the wall? That would be Gavin Lux, and I'm very, very upset with him because that means Bellinger might be back in the lineup. (laughs) So I'm not happy with Gavin Lux You got to get his glove. You you need his glove, Ed. I know. And and he hit a bomb, but uh, uh, that was obviously closing his eyes. Um, So Gavin Lux. Uh, who was hitting really, really well, crashed into the wall, and he's probably out for a while. He face-planted into the wall. Yeah, like they, he, they play a week from tomorrow against the Cardinals, and I don't think he'll be in the lineup. The warning track is there for a reason. Yeah. Well, he's not. He's not. He's got the word warning in it. He's not How about Jace Tingler? No Tatis last night. We shut down Darvish. Yeah, good luck up in San Francisco for three games, Jace. You'll be fired by next Tuesday. Thanks for checking in. They but just, that guy just sitting everybody now. They just showed Bellinger's home run. Pretty big, yeah, pretty big did. swing, huh? Yeah, pretty big swing. Closed the eyes and ran into it. Closed yeah. the eyes and ran into it. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Maybe he's better. Oh. What does he have, a broken rib? Maybe he's better with a broken rib. 
Yeah, exactly. Let's break the uh, other side. Maybe he'll uh, go three for four. Do you think, do you get mad? Well, your Astros have already clinched. But they in have the past, not. Have they have not clinched. Ma- okay, well, they will. They're struggling so to got, clinch. Have you gotten mad in the past? And I know, look, the Dodgers don't win the division. I'll be the first to say, you know what? They didn't do enough. The Giants were great. Good for them. But have you gotten pa- mad in the past where in the last six games, people don't play it honest? Like Tingler's, like Tatis. There's, there, Tatis might have off-season surgery, but he played the night before. There's nothing wrong with Tatis. Like now they're just shutting guys down. Like, do you have a problem with that, or do you say that's their team, that's his decision, they can do what they want? Yeah, that's their team. No, I got, I got no issue with it at all. Like Mike Trout could be back for the Angels. Mike, the the Astros need the Mariners to lose a game so they can clinch. I mean, the Astros can just win one, but that's not happening. Right. But like Mike Trout is healthy enough; he could be back. Otani could pitch against them, but no, that's. That's that's their team. There's no point in all right, all right. do what's well, best I, for look, your team. I, I'm telling you, you won't you won't hear me whine if they lose. If they don't win, they're not going to win it. The Giants aren't going to lose, but but I won't say it wasn't because they, they they just didn't play well. But I always wondered what you thought about that because people just shut it down. I mean, like, he he he's going to go to San Francisco and he's just going to play nobody. And it's like, all right, that's your team, that's your prerogative. But I just don't know where people stand on. Hey, you know, you're in a division. Play it straight and see who you know deserves to win it. You don't trust uh, Tommy Pham to go get it done for the Padres against no. the Giants. No, they're Come on. That's they're probably that's probably the perfect team to beat the Giants. Don't put a good team out there. Just put an absolute bunch of bums, and the Giants will get confused yeah. and be like, "Wait, we're supposed to be a bunch of bums too." Oh, they're, they're doing that. They rolled that Weathers guy out from the bullpen to start last night. Nomar's like, "Well, he's only given up nine home runs in sixteen games, and like the next pitch, like." AJ Pollock hit it like 400 yards, 400 feet. It's like, oh my god, this guy's horrible. Why is he pitching tonight? Oh, the Dodgers. What's uh, the run differential? Plus 250. And they're going to be in the wild card game. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, if he pitches like last night, they will lose. And on next Thursday, I will have to actually drink what Jr. Starkis is making us. That's uh, that's two not great starts in a row by Scherzer, right? No, yeah, he's gone. Uh, Colorado, he wasn't good. And last night, he started off well. He gave up like. A, you know, a weird home run. The guy was high in the zone, and he just kind of closed his eyes. But then he just kind of got rocked, and I'm like, "Oh, this isn't good right now." Machado took him deep. <laughs> wasn't good. Wasn't good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Next Thursday, it's so great. It's gonna be like I need to test. I'm leaving at 5 a.m. It's so great. So you'll not see me. Oh, that's oh. right. Wait. So okay. So the, they're gonna play the wild the card game on Wednesday. Yeah, at Dodger Stadium. But you'll be you'll be here on Thursday. You're going to test on Wednesday no, next week, right? I know. Yeah, yeah I you'll know. be I'll here. Be you'll be here for the whole show. Yeah, oh, that's I why I really wait. need Starkus to come in finally in person and just bring alcohol if they lose. If not, it's... then I'll be fine. Open up in San Francisco on Friday night, and everything will be fine. I can't even imagine you like drinking heavily. Like, I, oh, I, I don't drink like much at all. But if they go plus. Two seventy-five with one hundred and seven wins, and they lose in the first wildcard game. It might change things very quickly. He just yes. shows up disheveled. <laughs> yes, I just bring the bottle in for the show and just start swinging it at seven a.m. and 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 go till nine before I pass out. Yeah. Are, are the Dodgers a big enough fan base and a big enough deal in baseball that if they win one hundred and seven games but get bounced in the wildcard game, that we see immediate playoff change in baseball? Perhaps they do. They might have that juice. Yeah. They might have that power with the Yankees. They might. They. They. You know. You know as well as they know. There's what two, three teams that would have that kind of power. Kind of the whole Jerry Jones power in the room stuff. Yeah. So yeah, they. They might be. You might see. Well, oh, I thought that change was. Wasn't that change happening? Anything? Weren't they on another team? Well, they've they've talked a lot about it, but they haven't actually implemented a guaranteed extra wild card team or anything like that. Right. 
there. So there, there's been conversation about, it, but still that wouldn't necessarily, I mean, it depends on how they do it. Oh, I guess how they does, could How does that help the Dodgers if they're still the best team like the next two or three years? Because the wild card is what kills them. Yeah. Because if, you know, a Giants have a magical season like this, then you're, you know, they, they win 107 after play one game. Would you rather, put it this way, would you rather the wild card round be two out of three? Could they get that done? So that I think that's that was the conversation, I think, was they would add yeah. another wild card team. They would make the, the one seed, the number one overall seed in the AL and the NL would get a bye straight to the normal divisional series. But everybody else would play a best two out of three, and it would be two division winners versus two wild card teams, and then two wild card teams would play each other. Okay. And then advance to a final four. If the Dodgers four lose next Wednesday, I could see that happen. <laughs> on Thursday, that could happen. Yes. Yes. yes, that could happen on Thursday. If they win next Wednesday, be like, hey, everything's fine. Yeah, no big deal. Don't we... make any changes. No big deal. All right, get out of here, Ed. Enjoy right, wasting time until practice starts. I'll see you guys tomorrow. All right, there's Ed Graney, live from the Raiders facility where he's got to get tested, wait two hours, watch practice, wait two hours, and interview some people. Coming up next, J.R. Starkis joins the show. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. Ready for the weekend? Let's find out what's on tap. We can provide you with a wine tasting tour of Tuscany. We cannot change why you drink. It's Thirsty Thursday with J.R. Starkus. Who needs a drink? Southern Blazers Wine and Spirits. It's J.R. Starkus. Hello, J.R. How are you today? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm very good. Um, Ed ran away. He's out at Raiders practice or something like that, so he's not here. Uh, But I do want to ask you, how confident are you that the Boston Red Sox are going to make the playoffs? (laughs) Well, so I, I am not as confident as I was uh, Saturday, well, let's say, let's see, last weekend, or so Thursday of last week, before they played the Yankees uh, for that homestand, that was very discouraging. Um, I would say 70%. So, oh, 70%. That's, still, that's still pretty high. That's, yeah, but it's not as good as it was. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a Red Sox fan, and, and then when it comes to football, um, and I think we've talked about this before because I was kind of left to my own devices when it came to anything other than baseball when I was a kid, but uh, so I'm a 49er fan, you know, and so Sunday was a bad day um, altogether, <laughs> and so I was I was flipping back and forth between the games and um, the bullpen for the Red Sox uh, made me want to throw things. So I heard you guys talking about have you ever punched things for being happy? I've not, but I wanted to punch many things for being upset because <laughs> the Red Sox bullpen is absolutely trash. Uh, and so, yeah, it was, it was not a good situation. Even my son who's watching the game with me, he's like, are they bringing in? Oh no, we got no chance. And I was like, and then, you know, walk, walk, hit by pitch home run. I'm like, guys, come on, man. This is crazy. You know, and it's the same lineup every time you're like, hit by pitch, walk, walk. Oh, Joe Carlos Stanton. Great. Here he goes. And then he gets one over into <laughs> Lansdowne street. Would, uh, Devin Williams, the Brewers pitcher who broke his, uh, uh, hand by punching a wall. Would Devin Williams, with his broken hand, be the best reliever the Red Sox have? <laughs> uh, sometimes I'd want to think so. I mean, it, you know, maybe. I, I was. I, I don't know. Sometimes I was. I was thinking about you. When I was watching the game. I'm like, they should put in a position player right oh, now because oh, boy. <laughs> they had a position player uh, that would definitely be better than some of the stuff coming out of the bullpen for the Red Sox. Well, have, embarrassing. 
Do you have an embarrassing injury story like Devin Williams does? Like, do you have a, oh, I got hurt doing something and it was really stupid? Uh, probably, but I'm trying to think what, what it would be off the top of my head. I can't honestly think of, of what it might be, but I'm, I'm sure I'm sure I have one. And, and when I figure it out, when I remember what it is, I'll, I'll, I'll tweet it out or text you guys and let you know because I'm sure I have something. I think the I, I have two that are sort of minor. I uh, once fell off a diving board and skinned my knee up. I still have a scar from that. Uh, that was pretty brutal, mainly because I skinned my knee up and then immediately fell into a pool floor, full of chlorine. Uh, chlorine can't get that out of my mouth, but it hurt very badly. And then uh, also, I how old was I? I was maybe like eleven, twelve, and my younger sister, who's two years younger than me. She was in the kitchen walking around with a knife, and somehow I had my hand out, and she stabbed me in the hand on accident. <laughs> okay, like, so we're going to include other people. Then I got one for you. Yeah, okay. This, oh, happened, this, this happened this year. Um, so we were in California uh, for, for JT's baseball, and we had a day to ourselves, so we decided to take our, our paddle boards and our kayaks and stuff like that out on the water. And my wife decided that she wanted me to give her a ride in one of the boats. So I said, okay. And uh, she's got notoriously terrible balance. So I am, as she's getting into the boat, I am counterbalancing naturally when she gets into the boat. Well, she gets in and goes, ah, and falls out the other side, knocks me off. <laughs> and I fall right into a gigantic pile of rocks that are, you know, you know, six feet from the, from the shore. And my whole back of my leg is, is scratched up. And I didn't know it until about 30 minutes later. I'm like, man, my leg is stinging really bad. And I look, and my whole back of my leg's bleeding. Um, and and uh, I still have the scar today from when my wife knocked me out of a boat because I was stupid enough to say, yeah, jump in. Uh, so that won't happen again. And she still blames me as if it's my fault for not being able to balance her as she got into the boat. Sounds fair. Um, yeah. So what you making for us today? <laughs> Press box transition. Press box transition. Uh, <laughs> uh, I called that one. Um, yep. So, uh, so today I'm going to do the last drink for um, Bourbon Heritage Month because you know we it's it's a it's a great time for for us to think about Bourbon Heritage and September is Bourbon Heritage Month, and I wanted to do something that I haven't done yet, of course, but you know change not change it too drastically. So, a couple of weeks ago I did the Negroni for Negroni Week, uh, and gin, Campari, sweet vermouth, and. There are a lot of, I think I referenced it in the conversation, there are a lot of renditions uh, and things you can do uh, from that base, right? So another very classic cocktail that you'll find in a lot of bars, any bars you know how to make this, that certainly transitions a little bit more into fall as well, is called the Boulevardier. And the Boulevardier is an, also a three-ingredient drink, very similar to the Negroni in the fact that it uses Campari and sweet vermouth, but now you switch in bourbon or rye. Um, I am using wild turkey. I chose wild turkey because wild turkey to me is kind of like a, a staple on any bar, right? It's, yeah. it's been around for a lot of years. And, you know, some people like to make fun of the mega brands. And uh, this mega brand somehow manages to me to have a very small kind of feeling because of Jimmy and Eddie Russell. Um, Jimmy, the father, Eddie, the son. Uh, and, and Eddie Russell has been with Wild Turkey for, I think, over 60 years. Um, and so, I mean, it, when you go to the distillery, you'll see Jimmy usually sitting in the rocking chair at the at the visitor center, just kind of greeting people. Um, and so it's got a very family kind of oriented feeling to it. So I wanted to use Wild Turkey for this. Of course, you can use 
whatever your favorite bourbon may be or your rye whiskey may be, um, the drink will still work. It will certainly change the flavor a little bit because every bourbon has uh, something different. Um, but even within the wild turkey family, the bourbon that I chose is uh, wild turkey 81, but you can certainly use their 101 uh, as well, which is 101 proof versus 81 proof. The proportions of the drink are a little bit different. Instead of 111, which you could still do, um, I've chosen to bring up the whiskey aspect of this. So I'm doing an ounce and a half of, of wild turkey bourbon, followed by three quarters of an ounce of Campari and three quarters of an ounce of sweet vermouth. Now, when I built a Negroni, I built those ingredients over ice in a rocks glass, gave it a little stir, garnished it with an orange wedge and served it. A little bit different here because we're going to take all of these ingredients and we are going to stir them separately in like a mixing tin or something like that. Just give them a stir. Anytime there's booze-only ingredients, uh, uh, the tradition would teach you to not shake. If there's booze-only, you want to stir. Um, the moment you add something that's not booze like citrus or sweet and sour or something like that, then you would shake. But since this is booze-only, we're going to stir. Stir for like 20 seconds just to kind of start the dilution process. And then you strain it rather than over ice into a cocktail glass, um, something without ice, and garnish instead of a orange wedge with a peel of orange because you're going to utilize the orange oils from the zest of the orange. Kind of rub it around the rim of the glass and just drop it into the glass. The, the drink is very silky and elegant. It's still certainly strong. Not quite as bitter as the Negroni would be because you're using a little bit of less of the Campari. Um, but this starts to get you, because of the flavors in the bourbon, starts to move you into kind of like the fall flavors. Um, and so it's a kind of a nice, great transition for Bourbon Heritage Month. And as we walk into cooler months here moving forward, it's a great cocktail for you to enjoy. It's certainly not for the faint of heart. Um, if you've never had this drink before and you're typically like, oh, I like rosé wine, this may not be the... This may not be the right transition for you. This is, this is a strong sipping style beverage, but again, very traditional um, behind any uh, cocktail bar or any bartender should know how to make this drink. It is certainly something that is taught um, because it is a classic or uh, a classic cocktail to many of us now behind the bar. Uh, what's the science behind you stir if it's all alcohol versus shake if there's non-alcohol mixed in? Well, there's, there's not, I wouldn't call it science per se. It's just more like classic technique. Um, you know, like a Manhattan, for instance, right? Or an old fashioned or, well, you wouldn't stir an old fashioned either because you're just building that, but uh, a Manhattan, a Negroni, a Boulevardier, these, these recipes are, are only booze only. So you generally don't, aren't looking for like ice chips or to shake it. Now, if you were at my bar and you said, Hey, Jared, I want a Boulevardier and I want you to shake it. Of course I'll shake it. Um, but <laughs> You know, but when you're stirring, when you're stirring, when you're making this drink classically prepared, um, if if you had somebody coming to your bar and saying, "Hey, I really want a Boulevardier," if you shook it, they would probably just leave the bar because uh, it is it is uh, that's not the right way to make it whatsoever. <laughs> and I think I've asked you this a couple times in the past, but because you're shaking it, aren't you breaking up the ice and kind of watering down, watering it down a little bit? Yeah, you know, so stirring and shaking has has a different, you know, like when you stir a drink, the drink will typically come on onto the palate as more silky, almost more heavy on your palate versus shaking it, which is going to kind of aerate it, right? Um, and to your point, uh, Jared, is when you're shaking a drink, yes, you are breaking up that ice. And so if you strain it over ice or if you strain it into a cocktail glass without ice, there are most certainly probably ice chips remaining there. And as that drink continues to evolve, those ice chips will continue to melt, thus st 
still diluting the cocktail and lowering the proof. So if so, sometimes you'll see really geeky bartenders will shake a drink and then they'll double strain the drink to remove those ice chips because they are trying their best to stop any further dilution. What they're putting in the glasses, all that they want you to have. Um, and, and then if, if there's anything else taking place, it's just because you're taking your time drinking the drink, right? Um, because they, you know, they're, it, the drink will maybe be warming up or if they're pouring it over fresh ice, it will further be diluting. Um, but that's, that's kind of what the bartender's mentality might would be. There are geeky bartenders. There are Tyler bartenders. Oh my gosh. There's a ton of them. I, I, I mean, I'm one of them at heart. I got to be honest with you. Um, I am, I, I, when I made drinks behind the bar, um, you know, I would of course give my, my customers anything that they wanted, but if they left it up to me, I would, um, I would do my very best to give you the best crafted cocktail that I could. Um, because, and what I teach when I teach, when I teach students is, you know, they're, is a bar seven steps from your bar. Wherever the heck you are, there's a bar right around the corner from it, and they can pay $15 for a drink or $10 for a beer at any bar. Why are they coming back to you? And so you better have a couple other things. And if, you're not, if you don't have a great personality, you better be technically sound and make a great cocktail so people say, man, you got to go to this guy because his Boulevardier or his margarita tastes better than any other one because of the way that you build it, the, the craftiness and the care that you put into it. Uh, we say that you know, part of the part of any cocktail, really great cocktail is love. So if you put a lot of love into it, um, it, it will certainly come through, whether it be in the garnish, the creativity, the or the methods and techniques that you use. It's it's it certainly it pays a dividend. And I think when you have a drink that's well crafted in a nice glass, the beautiful garnish, it's easier to spend eighteen to twenty dollars for that drink versus one that's just total garbage thrown together with crappy sweet and sour mix and whatever in a glass with no garnish in a terrible glass. Um, it's hard to pay $20 for that drink um, and, and at least feel good about it. Um, but if you do things the right way, it's, it's a little bit easier, and you probably get a bigger tip out of it too. So in that industry that we're in, that's, that's how you get paid. So uh, however I can get those bigger tips is what I'm going to do to do it. Well, he is J.R. Starkus, Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. J.R., thank you so much for joining us. You bet, guys. Talk to you next week. Thank you. There's J.R. Starkus. All right, here we go. We got yeah. two tickets to see the Golden Knights take on the Arizona Coyotes on October 7th at T-Mobile Arena. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll say caller number 11 at 702-364-1100 if you want a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights and Coyotes on October 7th. Morning. What's going on? Got any stories this week? <laughs> I mean, I heard a few things about, you know, this book, and sounds like it's a lot of, you know, second, third, and fourth-hand comments. So, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to focus on this game and try to prepare for the Bucks. He's as tough as any quarterback there is or ever has been. Enough said. His numbers are incredible. He's about to pass the all-time passing record. He's done more than any other player at that position uh, in whatever measurement you want to take, whether it's yards, completions, touchdowns, championships. Uh, you know, you name it. So put anything out there you want. Like, I don't get any tougher than him. We both, you know, thought it'd be really cool if we had an opportunity to play together at some point in time. You know, obviously with our situations, it didn't seem likely at any point in time. But he reached out and and, and, and said they may express interest. And obviously he, he wanted to play with me. Such a so I have one more day of listening to Adele. Uh-huh. About time. I guess you can play it on Monday after they play each other. 
best marketing scheme you can come up with. Ex-lovers have to face each other again. Congratulations to Matt. He won a pair of tickets to go see the Golden Knights uh, take on the Coyotes. It's great marketing, Jared. I would not doubt. It's great marketing. Um, I got a headline for you. Shakira. Okay. Says wild boars in Barcelona attacked her and stole her purse. There's a hips don't lie joke somewhere in there that I'm not going to get to. Uh, She went on Instagram, just an Instagram story, and I'm reading a Washington Post story because she apparently said it in Spanish. Uh, But she said that she was at a park with her eight-year-old son when she had been attacked by a pair of hogs who stole her bag and then ran off into the forest. She apparently was able to get her bag back but they had destroyed everything inside or almost everything. Not her phone because she still was posting from her phone. All right. I'm sorry. Does this does this remind you at all of the... The greatest tweet of all time? Yeah. yeah. 30, 50 Feral Hogs. Yeah. One of the greatest tweets I've ever read. Um, hold on. Before we get back into Mr. Feral Hogs there, uh, this is from the Washington Post story. Wild boars are a problem in Spain where police received more than 1,100 complaints about the beast in 2016. Are there just... What? They're just wild boars running through, like, Barcelona? Like, Barcelona's, like, the biggest city in that country, right? Or second... Like, we're talking about, like, one of their biggest cities, and they got... They just have a boar problem? Well, I mean... Yeah, I'm just super confused. I remember watching a show... Well, watching the pilot for a show... On one of the, it must have been history or discovery, where it basically it's just people going out and shooting uh, wild <laughs> boars. <laughs> okay, here's the most annoying thing I think I've ever run into. I just Googled Barcelona boars, and all it gives me is Barcelona FC Board of Directors because they want to fire their coach at the moment. Yeah. So, like, I can't even, there we go. There we go. I found some Barcelona boys. It's all about Shakira, though. Every single one's about Shakira. So maybe it's not a problem. Maybe it's only Shakira. I don't know. Imagine boars just stealing your crap and running away with it. They're, what do you even they're, do? They're violent oh, animals. Yeah, they're so horrifying. Like, yeah, like if they're stealing the stuff, I'm like, all right, well, at least that's all they're doing. Yeah. But like, like yeah, you have to lose. You and your eight-year-old kid in a park and two boars come, you lose. I assume if you, it's your eight-year-old kid, you're throwing the kid. Oh, kid can go. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully the boars take the kid instead of my bag. Uh, my bag's got more important stuff in it. The kid? Yeah, we can live without him. I always have another.